and then across the board it's not so much who you are it becomes what you do so we give everyone the support that they need to be effective Welcome back to the All Inclusive Podcast. On today's episode, I'm joined by Terence Cooley, Chief People Officer and Chief Information Security Officer at United States Air Force. In this episode, we discuss the evolution of the hiring process in the military, the challenges faced in DEI work, and the effective strategies used to address them. Terence also shared his approach to dealing with toxic behaviour in the workplace and ensuring equitable access to opportunities and recognition for all the members of the US Air Force. As always, before jumping into the video, make sure to hit that subscribe button, turn on your notification bell, and follow on your favorite podcast platform so that you never miss an episode. That being said, let's jump in. Hi, Terence. Hello, Natasha. I'm so excited for this conversation today. Thank you so much for, for coming on and, and speaking with with me today on the podcast absolutely uh, you're doing incredible work and being a part of this just to add my voice to the body of work is actually an honor for me too oh lovely so why not tell listeners a little bit more about you and your journey to where you are today sure so currently I serve as the chief people officer and chief information security officer of the united states air force's joint all-demand command and control research and development center we have a great propensity for picking great names um I started way back in 2011 as a IT systemist working on radio systems. Uh, due to some complications medically, I was actually pulled up to be an IT logistics program manager. And from there, my career kind of exploded. I did a transition into becoming a security operations center analyst level two and then a cyber threat hunter concurrently in the 4 million uh, users in the Department of Defense Information Network. Kind of cool. And then I got picked up to be the vice uh, president of compliance and risk at the largest air, uh, active defense group the Air Force had. And then my current position here where I was by name requested to fill this position. Oh, fantastic. I mean, I don't know half those roles that you've just said, <laughs> <laughs> if I'm honest. But I can only imagine they were very um, interesting <laughs> roles to have. Um, and I know that the role that you're currently in now has brought you here today to discuss, and this is what we're going to be talking about a little bit more. So how would you say the hiring process for the Air Force has evolved from kind of what it used to be a couple of years back to what it is now? Sure. One of the main things is that we're trying to change from, so I'm going to go from big Air Force to kind of what we're doing to kind of get on the leading edge of things that hopefully will proliferate back out to the enterprise. Big Air Force is really struggling to wrap its arms around uh, Gen Z and understanding what the new demographics want and need out of a military force. Uh, how do we connect with them better and how certain old things that we used to do because that's the way we always did them don't work anymore. We would call them traditions. Uh, now I'm starting to consider some of them potentially antiquated because they are slowing our ability to be a lethal effective force. So what we've been doing at the R&D Center is actually just completely changing how we hire. We're being very intentional on taking folks who have, may have been passed over, considered maverick, or who are not underperformers, they're top performers, but just 
they, they're not hitting their strides because they are maybe too specialized in the field or maybe they aren't able to communicate their value effectively. And what we found is when you take those uh, those individuals who are top performers, just getting the recognition that they deserve, you put them in an environment where they are trusted, held accountable and given the curiosity or given freedom to be curious. They after what they're what they came here for uh, with a passion that has been driving this program forward. So we're being very intentional with uh, we have a very diverse, potentially one of the most diverse teams in the government. Um, and it's not by accident. We specifically looked at different specialties. We're looking at different backgrounds. So we might have two people who look exactly the same and they did not come from the same location, the same background. Uh, we are di directly looking at the different demographics and looking for the best talent in each of those demographics. Um, not specifically because of the demographic, but because of the talent they have, but making sure we are getting representation because as an R&D program, the more viewpoints that you have, the different styles of thought, the different backgrounds, the different ways people approach programs is vitally important. So we're living our values here. Ah, oh, fantastic. That sounds amazing. So with all of those changes, there must have been some challenges along the way. So we know that um, what comes with change, there is always some challenge. So what would you say has been one of the biggest challenges that you've, you've faced? I would say we have had to get a lot more consistent in how we question just multiple hiring managers and they're each looking for different things. And so we have to get on the same page on when we're looking for someone, we are looking for the best. We have to consider these other factors. And sometimes in the search for the shiny penny, we, um, we don't have long interviews. Typically I interview a person maybe a max of twice. Uh, but sometimes because of that, we are missing some questions that we should be asking and making sure that the interview is a maximum effectiveness. So we've occasionally pulled in people who are maybe just a little too junior for our specific organizational needs. But by and large, um, most of the challenges are self-inflicted. <laughs> oh, and so with um, diversity, equity, inclusion, we know that it's not just all about um, talent acquisition and, and hiring. Um, there's there's other areas in which we can really kind of create that inclusive environment. So for you, what would you say has been an effective strategy in order to overall create an environment which is one that everyone feels as though that they belong? First off, trust. Uh, when we say, for example, I have a person on the team who is trying to hire a person uh, and is potentially going to cancel a hire, and I advise and I guide and I say, here are the things you should consider before you take someone's offer letter away for uh, filling a position. But I have specifically stated whether I agree with it or not, I will be there with you the whole way, and then I trust you to make this decision. It is my job to inform you so you make the best decision, but it is your program. And so if you feel that this is the best fit and you found a better person to fill it, I will support you through that difficult journey. I'm not going to make it easy, but I will support you because you have to understand that when we're working with other people's lives. We have to be on I's and T's dotted and crossed, but I trust you to make the right decision and I will follow your call. So making sure that we're following up that if I'm saying that you are the decision maker in this space, that I am truly giving you that decision space to actually do what we hired you here to do uh, then there's the accountability piece that when we are giving trust we're also checking in and following through that on getting the supports that they need that they are accomplishing the goals that they need and often there's some course corrections that we need to make in the sense that perhaps a person is 
misinterpreted maybe some of the mission vision values that they should be pursuing in the effort that they're interested in and we help them get back on track but we're never telling them you're wrong we're telling you hey make sure you're considering these things and no one has ever no one in this organization has ever been let go for failure like failing forward as kind of like a, a buzzword but truly we <laughs> we fall on our face so many times but that's how you get back up and learn something new Oh, no, definitely. I think um, I, I'm a true believer of you can find success within failure, if that makes sense. Like, because I think that failing, you know what not to do and it gives you a different perspective on on how best to move forward, I believe. So, yeah, I and and I love that you've talked about trust because it's it's something that um, plays a huge role, I think, in in the success of any um, DEI strategy or, or any initiative that's been put in place at an organization um, how do you deal best with toxic personalities because in as I said I mean we know that there's going to be challenges along the way building trust is definitely a key thing um, and having accountability but you will always have the naysayers right like you are going to have those toxic individuals so how do you how do you approach that that sort of behavior uh, so one of the things we do is we set the stage up front of what kind of organization this is during the hiring process. We make sure everyone knows what kind of organization you are, what our values are, what it is we're trying to get after. Yes, that we do trust you, that we will be held accountable. This is a place where you can be curious and follow your passions, but we do not tolerate disrespect in this organization in any way, shape, or form. So having that understanding up front, there have been people who said, this isn't really maybe the best fit for me. And we've said, that's fine. And we keep them on the roster if they ever want to come back. But making sure that people know getting into that, um, it's not that everyone's got a voice at the table and it's not a hierarchy. And then we, we put that into practice. There was a period in time that because of some issues with some of our um, senior managers, the CEO pulled everyone as a direct report uh, to her so that Every, the organization was completely flat. There was still some hierarchical means for certain things, but she was the direct raider for 60% of the unit uh, or the organization. And that made it so that when we're no kidding saying this is a flat organization, you all report to the CEO that no one has a voice above the other. And if you're acting out, she is right or marking you down on your performance appraisal that for the military, your performance appraisals follow you through the, your entire military career to every assignment. Right. So very seriously, if you're being toxic, like, no, we cut that out right here. And then my job is to make sure we're managing those expectations across and standardizing that so that when she leaves, the next CEO comes in, might not want to follow that same policy, but everyone now understands we're serious when we say, no kidding, flat organization, Everyone has a voice at the table. The most junior person and the most senior person have the equal value when it comes to what they're saying because they are specialists in their field. They are, everyone is here hired for a reason. Mm, no, I love that. And I think it's important. I mean, it's, it's quite a task for the um, CEO <laughs> to have that many direct reports. But in the same breath, I completely hear what you're saying in terms of having that level playing field provides the, the opportunity for you to easily see when things aren't 
going the way that they should or someone is displaying behaviors that are just not going to be fit for 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 that organization and for where you work and just really in general it's just negative behavior um which you don't want in a workplace at all um so that's that's really great to hear so how do you ensure that there's actual access to opportunities um between everyone uh so we have a fantastic recognition program where everyone has an opportunity and there are people who want different kinds of recognition some people literally just want to be told thank you and maybe given a, a day off, you know, half day pass, uh, half day pass, uh, paid pass, or maybe a weekend off. Maybe they just want to take their PTO a little early. Make sure that we take care of that. Some people want to have the shiny award and want it to be fully their their records littered with how awesome they are, and they are killing it and they're doing the things that we need them to do. So we make sure we highlight those folks, our senior leaders, and then across the board, it's not so much who you are, it becomes what you do. So we give everyone the support that they need to be effective. So I've had junior folks who this is their first time being given a lot of freedom, who need a little support getting uh, up to speed. And we make sure they have that platform. And now I walk away, I come back and they are just delivering, 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 delivering. We make sure they get recognized for that. And then everyone's records, no matter uh, what they've accomplished, uh, they leave here because this is the, the unique nature of the, the mission that we have here. Everyone's records leave here as top performers because they were hired as best in class. And they will leave as best in class. Then putting in individual supports for folks is where I kind of come in and make sure that every single person has a plan of action for what they're trying to get out of the, uh, their performance, kind of leadership goals they want, what kind of personal goals they want. I talk a lot about finance with folks. I talk a lot about the importance of resiliency. We have people who are very interested in being uh, coaches and being mentors. We set them up to be um, to get the training in those spaces, to get the certifications and to get the expertise and, and um the expertise and experience in the organization and then take that across and move around. Uh, we just sent our entire chart to the work live human conference so that they could get exposure to the civilian side and what they're doing. And so anytime uh, people come in, they have a conversation with me and they have the conversation with the CEO. And then we set up their entire journey to make sure that everyone has an individualized plan for success. And is that something that you have always had in place from the beginning? Is that something that's that's been newly implemented by yourself? I would say my predecessor gave it a an attempt and no credit to him. I think he was looking at it from a different perspective, more traditional military perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I came on board, uh, my CEO uh, was new on the same time, came in slightly after me, and she wanted to shake things up and do things differently. So we had a lot of back and forth conversations for the last two years as well about how do we get after really uh, solving people's problems. So we're doing a lot of leadership, a lot of leadership courses and putting it into place is, I would say, more credit to her for the vision. And I'm here to manage the execute. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. And so it's great to see that that you can see the positive results in in what you've implemented and what you've put in place, because it all sounds to me, yeah, it sounds like it's an obvious thing. (laughs) But I feel like there's a lot of programs and initiatives that have come out of 
of leaders like yourself that when it's explained it sounds as though it's something that how have we never how have we not done this before do you know what I mean so but I'm so glad that it is working well because it's just showcasing the fact that actually you don't need to overthink these things as much as you you feel that you really need to it's it's about scaling back doing some additional research um having those extra conversations and then just getting started um and I, I I'm so glad that it's it's working out um what would you say if you looking back is there anything that you would do differently oh my god where do i start okay so <laughs> i touched about the recognition program and we, we may have over indexed on that because um i could we consider the, the military is considered a meritocracy so we're first and foremost as culture making sure that we're promoting talent so my goal is to make sure that i have equal access to talent uh, getting promoted equally, but because of the way the system is set up, there's so many people who can recognize at any one time. So I got to kind of rotate people in and out, and, or find other ways to recognize them. And early on, I would be in towards the folks who kind of jumped up to the top of the table. Um, we have a few folks who are among rock stars are rock stars, and so we gave them a lot of limelight and maybe didn't give as much to other folks earlier in their career and earlier in their journey as we are now. And I wish I could go back and tell old me, hey, make sure that we're taking advantage of some of the other outside of the regular channel recognition programs. Hey, have a program where just once a week, we just say, hey, thank you for something you did. Or, hey, this person uh, got around a problem like this. Maybe we should consider doing the approach and just doing more regular recognition, walking around and saying thank you, sitting down with people and really understanding their struggles and how I can help them overcome sooner i wish i had done more like that and there are some times i wish i could go back in some conversations where i sat and listened to a behavior that i didn't agree with and i like to address those things privately but sometimes i need to address it publicly hey no that is not acceptable so i do wish i had gone back on those occasions and not waited to have a more private conversation and solve future behaviors and just cut it right there um and sometimes that's appropriate sometimes that's not sometimes you do need to have it private but Sometimes there are unacceptable behaviors that you, you don't wait. And uh, there's a couple of times I wish I caught it earlier. Oh, well, thank you so much for sharing that, Terrence. Um, I think it's in, it's an important thing to, it's an important message to give to anyone that's listening who is a leader is that in some cases that um, sometimes it's okay to, to point out bad behavior as soon as you see it. And to everyone on a grand scale obviously there's as as we've already explained like there's certain situations it's not that's not going to really work and you do need to have a private conversation <laughs> but there are some behaviors that really just need to be called out asap um and i'm so glad that, that you were able to share that with us um and like we said we learn from our mistakes right and so um going forward i can see that that's definitely something that that, that you want to to change and um, it's going to be impacting the way that you do things going forward now. So that's great. Um, from our previous conversations um, before coming onto the podcast, you mentioned that you are a foster parent, which I think is amazing. Um, how would you say fostering has um, impacted the way that you currently work now? Oh my goodness. Okay. So first off, if you can get a kid to wake up, brush their teeth in the morning, take a shower, and then go to school without having to say a word 
like that that's I mean, skill is that is that, that even possible can... <laughs> i'm on year four with mine so, so. <laughs> please tell me so at least on school days it feels like it's possible uh so i adopted my son Fokker, and i have been astounded by his journey by just showing consistency that we're making sure that he's got good habits in place by emphasizing rewarding the right things providing some negative reinforcement to get him away from certain other behaviors and finding and tailoring what works for him in teachable moments. And I have been able to, he's 15, so we're all good, but I've been able to go on business trips and trust that, you know, I call my son every night, make sure everything's good, but he's taking care of his homework. He has eaten his food. He has taken a shower. He's gotten clean. He's dressed. He's gotten to and from school on his own, riding his bike or taking the bus. And I don't have to worry about him because we have gone through the the lumps and bumps early and now i trust him and i show that i trust him by giving him that space and so i talked about trust at the upset trust is a really important part in parenting learn to trust a kid sometimes who isn't even your kid in being able to do basic things and reward them really but most importantly tailoring their needs of how they learn to get the best result, to actually get them to the place you want them to be, that has probably been most impactful to how I lead because I take a lesson home or take a lesson to work every day from home. On uh, There are times I talk to my son and he's like, no, that's not going to fly. And we have a long conversation about not what I said, but how I said it. Mm. Sometimes being a director doesn't work in this play. <laughs> Sometimes I need to be a facilitator. And understanding when I need to listen and when I need to teach also been really memorable for the workplace. Uh, working in foster care has really opened my eyes to just the different ways people learn and also how trauma impacts an individual. Being able to recognize that and step back and go, okay, this is a trauma behavior, not a uh, not a, an inability to do something, not a lack of competence. It is just this is a moment that they are triggered. I need to recognize that, step back, give them the space, then we can come back and reapproach it and make sure that we have the supports in place so that people can go and feel safe. So we do have mental health uh, technicians in the building that we work in so they can go and talk to them. We have myself uh, and another person who act as crisis counselors. So if something needs to escalate, they can come to me, boom, my schedule's clear. What do you need to talk about? And I've had multiple three, four hour long people to not necessarily walk them off a cliff, but refocus and recenter them to where they need to be. And we have additional folks who do that. We also have, um, we call a volunteer victim advocate. Basically, they're responsible if someone feels like they are being sexually harassed or is a victim of sexual assault. They can talk to that person and then we can give them the services that we need and then make sure that uh, if they want to keep it a restricted report, which means minimal um, interference with uh, law enforcement, they have option. But if they want to make it unrestricted so that we can actually launch an investigation, that they know the tools and the things and who they can talk to to make sure that they have that freedom because many of us are mandated reporters. And making sure they understand the environment so they have the maximum options, especially when an option has been taken away from them, to choose when they want to approach the situation on their own. Thankfully, we have not had any reported sexual assaults, but I always am sensitive to that. And in fact, we're a thing called Denim Day, where we're wearing denim as an entire organization. Um, the entire base is uh, wearing denim to show our support for sexual assault. And it's been a program that I think they've been doing here on this organization for 15 years. Oh, great. I mean, I didn't even get the message, but I'm wearing denim today. <laughs> so, <Hey. laughs> yay. Um, but that that's that's amazing. It truly is. Um, I think it's 
it's such an important initiative and and all those things that you've said it's it's just it's so key it's so vital we're as humans I think we're delicate species you know like it's and mental health is is it's just such an integral part of who we are as as people and I think we need to take care of our our mental health and um what I would want to what I'm interested to hear from you is as somebody who is on the receiving end of of some people's traumas some people's hurt um and a lot of emotion how do you how do you manage that for yourself like how do you take care of your own well-being uh so sometimes i don't uh that (laughs) has been a a persistent back and forth Uh, i like to think i have a a a very big cup and then i I keep about 70 percent full and as i get close i back off on other things to make sure i always have space for people but sometimes there have definitely been times where you know there's just been a surge of things and i've just had to take it all in and then not compartmentalize it but like hold it and then find a way to release it so i have a motorcycle and i love the thing to death and sometimes I just need to clear my head and there's nothing that clears your head like the imminent threat of if you fail to pay attention for five seconds, you might miss a car coming out of an intersection where you are basically invisible to. So you are focused in that moment in its entirety and everything else goes away. So I'm running, I'll ride to work or ride from work, just take a random, random ride out, it just really clears my head so that I can be my best self. Um, finding time to read, finding time to recenter. I am a social introvert, it's a problem. And um, because I often find myself wanting to be around people so the battery runs out and then I can't be my best self when I have no energy. Uh, and I tend to be a bit of a grouch. So I gotta like back off and make sure that I am resetting myself and have space to myself. Uh, my son and I have worked out some great uh, programs where we'll sit down and we will do uh, like board game stuff or watch a movie together where, you know, we could be together, but it could be a quiet environment where I could just kind of recenter. And that has also really helped. And sometimes just listening to my son, me, his struggles of the day. And I just go, you know what? My problem is not so bad. Yeah, Uh, yeah. I need to be there for my son right now. (laughs) Mm -hmm. No, I know what you mean. Sometimes it's, um, even for me, when I get kind of, things get on top of me. And yeah, sometimes literally my daughter will just come in and say the most randomest thing ever and start completely crying because her dolly is like, misplaced and it's literally under the bed um and she'll have an absolute meltdown and you know it's one of those things that you're just like I don't understand how how am I upset right now my my door needs my help I need to find this dolly (laughs) um but yeah it's it's just coming out of of all of that and just stepping away and having just a moment of of family time and that sounds amazing and the motorcycle not so much (laughs) I (laughs) Chris has my husband Chris and you know Chris he's got um he went through a motorcycle phase and then he went on to an electric bike phase (laughs) I say they're phases I mean Mm. they're still in the in the garage so um I don't think he's completely phased out of them just yet but yeah um I, I completely see the attraction but for me personally um yeah I'm just too afraid (laughs) but that's amazing though what motorcycle do you have what one is it so uh, I have an Indian Scout Bobber 60 uh, which is a cruiser and then I have a Yamaha XSR 900 which is a uh, standard sport kind of a sport bike yeah oh no I know Yamaha the first one not so much but yeah Yamaha I I, that sounds really familiar (laughs) 
Well, Terence, thank you so much for our chat today. I really enjoyed it. Um, just before you leave us, could you give some one piece of parting advice for for the leaders out there for tomorrow? Absolutely. Fight through failure. Absolutely do not be afraid to fail, fall flat on your face. Don't worry about your credibility because being vulnerable in front of your team shows that they can approach you with problems and they know that you're willing to fail, dust yourself off and go, well, that could have been better. Then they're more likely to come to you with, hey, we didn't do so well. How can we do better? You can reassure your teams what they need to do. But if you aren't willing to fail and if you aren't willing to be vulnerable, how can you expect your teams to do and be effective? You got to live by your values. Fight through failure. Oh, that's fantastic. Thank you so much, Terence, once again for joining me today. Um, I've really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you for having me, Natasha. <laughs>